Welcome to Quotable, a female millennial entrepreneur podcast. The show by and for female millennial entrepreneurs who are building and running thriving, successful businesses while living life to the fullest. I'm your host, Alessandra Polina, owner of Quotable Media Co., a PR and media company. After nearly 10 years of building a PR agency, I've learned a lot about business and entrepreneurship, but the most valuable things have always come through conversation with other women who have been in it too, and I want to share all of that with you. So sit back, fill your coffee cup up, and listen in. Welcome back. Um, Today I want to talk about one of these things that is really a pretty basic skill when it comes to doing PR that I sort of don't think about that much myself really like on a day-to-day basis I kind of do it without really having to think about it just because it comes from practice and experience and it's something that's second nature to me now but it's so so important and It's feeling out who exactly to pitch at a certain publication when there might be several options. And it's something that came up a lot for the people in my PR bootcamp recently. And we ended up talking about it several times really in our calls together and kind of messaging in between them. They'd be like, oh, do you think this is the right person? Or like, who do you think is the right person here? As they were like working on building out their media lists and figuring out you know, who to pitch at certain publications that they had identified. And it's something that, again, it's like, I don't think about it. I don't think about how hard it is to know that that much anymore, just because I'm so used to it. And it's something I learned kind of slowly and over time, I'm sure. Um, But kind of having it be brought up so many times recently made me just kind of remember how it's not something that everybody just (laughs) understands and gets. And so I thought it was worth talking about a little bit here. Um, Because I mean, even for them, like I had info about it in the course material, we have at least one video about kind of that sort of thing. Um, But honestly, I, I hadn't realized how much it would trip people up, and how much more detail was really required to fully understand it. So we ended up actually recording more videos and and adding more content to the course because of that. Um, But also, you know, once I saw that it was like a repeated question for people, I thought, you know, it's not really something I've ever really talked about too much here. Um, And it's, I'm sure, you know, if these people were having these questions and, and wondering about these things, I'm sure it's something that everybody else is wondering too. So, um, yeah, I've, especially because most people listening here, you know, the people in, in the bootcamp program, they already had seen the initial video we had in the course and had gotten some background on it. We had talked about it briefly um, together. So I almost, you know, I feel like they already had even more um, background on it than someone who just listens to the podcast or, you know, anything else. So I figured it's probably something that anyone who's doing their own PR could use a little more guidance in. So I want to jump right in. So if you're, you're thinking about, you know, you have this dream publication, really any publication that you think would be a good one to get public, get coverage. And it doesn't have to have been like a dream publication, but anyone that you're like, you know what, this is somewhere that I want to be. This is somewhere that I think, you know, would be valuable press coverage for my brand. And you know that your brand would make a great story for them too, right? You're like, I can totally see my brand in this publication. It looks exactly like this is exactly something that they would cover, right? So sometimes it might be super obvious, like there's 
a series on something that you would align with and it would just make sense. You'd pitch the same person who's been writing that series or maybe they have a certain staff writer for each topic and it's very clear where yours falls and you would be like, oh yeah, I should definitely pitch that person. But sometimes it's not so clear. Sometimes you know you want a piece in there and you know your topic makes sense for the outlet, but you haven't seen something too similar lately or you're just not quite sure who the right writer would be, like who to reach out to. So there's a lot of nuances to it, Um, but there are a couple main things to keep in mind when it comes to who to pitch at a a certain publication. So we're going to go over the main sort of options here when it comes to the different people at a publication and how to know who to pitch. Um, Even though, I mean, I think that this may need a two-part, like a part two, to go into a little more depth and specifics because when I was thinking about what I want to say, um, I feel like there's kind of a second layer to it and it would just be way too much to go into now, make too long of an episode. Um, So maybe we'll do a part two, but for now I want to focus on the different types of writers at a single publication because that's kind of the, the kind of top layer of it and that's where people had a lot of questions. The differences between the different people who you might see on like the website of a publication that you're thinking of pitching. So in general, you're pitching either an editor, a staff writer, a freelance writer. Yeah. And a free or a freelance writer. Those are kind of like the three main people that you'll be seeing or, you know, not three people, but the three types of people and knowing when to pitch each one is very important. So Um, to a certain extent, you know, it depends as with everything, right? Like it's going to kind of depend on the situation. Um, it depends a little bit on the size of the publication, for example, because like a very small publication, you might work like really directly with the editor. You know, they might not have even any other people or very many other people. The editor writes most of the content, right? Whereas at a much larger publication, the top editors are hardly ever going to be the person you want to pitch. So, which is what we'll talk about in a second. So I don't mean to give that away, but, um, you do have to keep in mind that, you know, to a certain extent, it depends on the type of publication. And that's the kind of thing that you can tell from the research that you're going to be doing anyways. But in general, there are kind of a few main instances to keep in mind. And so since I just kind of gave away some of the, no, it's like, there's no secrets here, but just kind of mentioned that about the, um, editor, I I think I want to start by actually talking about staff writers. Because in most situations, if you can find a staff writer to pitch, this is a great option. So I think that's a great place to start. The main thing to keep in mind is that a staff writer primarily works for the one publication. They, that's their full-time job. They work for this outlet They have to write probably a certain amount of articles every day or every week or every month on a certain topic or like a certain beat, they call it, like a certain kind of overall topic that they cover. And what this means is there's probably a certain writer who covers the main general idea of what you'll want to be pitching, whether it's the person who writes about small business or the person who writes about marketing or the person who writes about beauty, it's never going to make sense to pitch the writer who writes about food. If your product is beauty, you know, a beauty product, for example, like you can really tell once you start really looking into it, that people, the people within the publication have very specific general beats that they write about. Um, 
so you really want to keep in mind what they what they write about because there's a reason for that and they likely cannot stray too too far from that so just because you think like you really like that person or you really like their writing or you heard that someone else you know pitched them and you know got a great piece or you think you can find an in with them like it doesn't really that doesn't really matter. It doesn't mean they're going to be the best person for you just because you think that there's some reason that they seem like the best one to pitch. If they don't write about your topic, they're really just probably not going to write about your topic. And if you try to pitch them, they're going to be like, why is this person, you know, pitching me beauty products when I write about food? Like they're just going to be confused and totally, probably totally ignore the pitch. So going in looking like you have a sense of that stuff and like you actually understand what they do and why is like, that's what they want from you. They want you to come in kind of seeming like you kind of have a sense of that. So if you come in totally off the bat, they're just probably going to be kind of weirded out by it and it's not worth it. Um, I mean, again, unless you like know them so well that you're like, I'm going to reach out to them and see what they say. But in that case, honestly, it would just be asking them to help connect you to the person who would be the right person, you know? Um, anyway, for staff writers, you have to keep in mind too, that they work for this publication. So they get pitched tons of things every day, tons and tons of things that are all related to this general topic. Right. And so they have to essentially pick which ones they like the most. And sometimes they can just run with it, but also a lot of times they have to kind of run the articles, like the ideas by their editor, just to like make sure they get the go ahead before they can actually write about it. So they're not necessarily always the ultimate decision maker. And I think that's important to keep in mind too. They might have almost completely full reign over what they write about, but a lot of the times they need to at least get it approved. So that's worth keeping in mind. They're essentially going to have to like your idea enough to want to pitch it to their editor and to, you know, to have picked it out as one of the few that they're going to, that they want to use. Um, and you know, a couple of things that this means, first of all, the timing, um, you just have to keep in mind that they might not be able to get back to you right away. They might be able to, if they love the idea and they love your pitch, they might be able to reply right away and say like, oh, I really like this. I'm going to run it by my editor or something. Or, you know, I really like this idea. I'm going to see if I can cover it. But they also might not get back to you until they have their regular meeting with the editor. And it could be like once a week and, um, you know, they might not want to bother getting back to you until they can say yes or no one way or the other. And they, you, you never know, they might've had their meeting that morning, you know, before you pitched them. So now they have to wait until the following week and it could be a week before they get back to you. So just to keep in mind, like timeline wise, um, if you're pitching a staff writer, they also could give, you know, as I said, it kind of depends. They can have more of a free reign and know that they, you know, have this many articles a week or a month and, um, have a little bit more free control of their, yeah, creative freedom, I guess, um, and get back to you right away. So you have the possibility of a fast response in that sense. Um, so yeah, I guess, um, the other thing I was going to say, I said that meant to a couple of things. The other thing I was going to say is that that also means that they need, you know, that they might have to run it by an editor, means that they need to really understand as much about the topic as possible, which I mean, is always the case. Like you always want to give, send a really good pitch where they have a really good sense of what the story is. And I'm not saying you want to send a super long pitch, but you know, make, you want to make sure that they're going to be confident enough about the topic and, and have the, enough details to be able to bring it to someone else. Meaning 
like bringing it to their editor and, and seeing if they can cover it. So make sure you have a link to your press room or something like that media kit, any more information that they could find, um, so that they can gather some more details if they want to, or inform themselves a little bit more, even before they get back to you, like before they have to reply to you to ask for more information can be helpful. Um, again, I mean, that's really the case for anybody you're going to pitch, but I think of that as especially helpful for like staff writer pitch situation. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think that's the main things to keep in mind when it comes to a staff writer. They, they work there. That's their full-time job. They, you know, have to write a certain amount of articles or like they're, they're writing all the time. So there is that, um, but also keep in mind, they're not going to like want to write about the same thing they just wrote about, right? It has to be different enough from the stuff they've been covering to be interesting. Um, they, they need to be creating new content all the time. So that's a little bit of a differentiator than, for example, or about to jump into, which is a freelance writer. And I mean, it's not different. Like a freelance writer still wants to cover new stuff all the time, I'm sure. But, um, with a freelance writer, since they're writing for several different publications, they can sort of revisit similar topics a little, little more if they can have, like, be submitting it to a different outlet, but I'm jumping ahead of myself. So, okay. There's <laughs> freelance writers. I'm going to explain a little bit more about what this is before I go into those details. Freelance writers should be your best friend. There's so many these days, I think, especially because um, it's just becoming way more common as publications are shifting things around, not keeping as many staff writers on. So a lot of the writers in media list might be freelance writers. A lot of writers who used to be staff writers have now gone freelance, which means that they're writing for several different publications and not actually on staff, not like getting a salary from one certain outlet. Um... So again, a couple of things to keep in mind when you're pitching freelance writers. First of all, a freelance writer usually writes for several publications, as I just said. So you might see some pieces they've done in this one publication you're looking at. If you've been like, oh, I want to be in here, you know, and you're looking at articles. But then when you click, you know, maybe you click on their name and it takes you to a bio or information about the writer, right? It might include a website. If they have a personal website, like, you know, a professional website for their freelance writing and their social media links, a lot of outlets have that. Click on that and see what they have, because that's one way you can tell, you know, it'll either say on their bio, you know, so-and-so is, you know, the beauty editor at here and here, or, or, you know, is the beauty editor at this publication, like if they're a staff writer, or it'll probably say like so-and-so is a freelance writer who, you know, writes for us and they, they may or may not, you know, mention the other places they write, but it will probably say they're a freelance writer, have some kind of verbiage around that, that you can tell from the bio. But if not, other key giveaways are if they do have a, a link to a personal website. And if, even if they don't, that's why I say click their social media links. Cause you can probably tell more from that. If they're a freelance writer, they probably say like in their Twitter bio, you know, write for here, here, and here, and like tag the different publications. And then, you know, that's a freelance writer, or it might say, you know, staff writer at so-and-so, and then, you know, they're staff writer. So look for those clues if you're not sure, um, and see what you can find out about them. If they're writing for other places, definitely keep that in mind. First of all, because they might actually write somewhere else. That's also a great fit for you. So it could be really good to know that they write for 
a couple of other publications. A lot of freelance writers, you know, they usually cover the same beat for different publications. Like it's pretty rare that somebody like writes for beauty at one publication and then like food at another publication. Like most writers are like a beauty writer or a food writer. And then they're kind of covering that same kind of niche in different publications. So that can be really helpful. Sometimes you might even find that the person that you thought, you know, you found this person at this one publication and when you actually see where else they write, there might be another publication that's even better. Or, you know, you can pitch several. Um, especially once you build up a relationship with this person. So keep that in mind for sure. But also the main reason um, to keep that in mind is that you need to make sure you're including that in your pitch, like which publication you're talking about. Because if they write for four different outlets, they're not going to have any idea which one you had in mind. And, you know, the pitch might make the most sense for one of them and, and maybe they'd sort of understand or it could be confusing or it could be something that works for any of the publications. And like, yes, maybe that's fine. Like you might be like, well, that's fine. Like if they think it makes sense for this other one, that could be a good coverage also. But it's just like that little added bit of like confusion, right? So they want to know what you're pitching. Like you want your pitch to be clear. And one way around that, if you do think like, oh, they write for four places and they all would be like ones I would be thrilled to be in. You can absolutely say that too in your pitch. You can say like, I know you're right for this place, that place, and this place. Like, here's my story. And I'd love to discuss if, you know, you'd be interested in covering it for any of the publications you write for or something like that. You can say that sometimes and kind of leave it a little open-ended because if they do love your story enough, you know, they might be like, okay, yeah, like I have, I'm, I'm working, I want to, you know, work on a story for this publication this month. So, that might be a good fit. Um, but for the most part, but I think you should at least, you know, specify that. And for the most part, I think you should usually try to go in with a specific idea just because again, it's just part of that making it an easy yes of like, I did my research here, you know, like I know it would be great for this publication. Um, and it just makes it super clear. And then you can even say, even if you have a certain one in mind, you can even say after that too, like, oh, and I know, you know, by the way that you also write for this place and that place. And if you think this could be a better fit at one of those, I'd be thrilled to discuss that too. Like you can even like, you know, leave your options open a little bit there, but I think it's always best to have a really specific pitch in mind. Just again, it just makes it clear and easy for them to know exactly what you're asking for. Um, so yeah, I think that, you know, the thing to, to think about or just to remember, you know, first of all, it's probably a personal email. Like they might have either their own URL, you know, for their own website, or they might use a Gmail. If they're a freelancer, you you kind of don't know, like it's not going to be like at publication.com. So you just need to make sure it's clear. Um, who, where you're pitching and also make sure on your media list, like that you remember (laughs) where, where, what publication you have in mind, especially if they have several, like you can write that all down on your media list, you know, but make a note of which one you were thinking of pitching because you might not remember if you're like jotting, doing the research, you know, days beforehand and then going to pitch it later on. Just make sure you remember like which one, which publication you were going to be pitching for this. Um, but also, yeah, make sure to put it in the email because even if you do have an idea which one you had in mind, there's like there's no way that they will have any idea which one you were thinking of if you don't specify it. Um, 
Okay. So the other thing to keep in mind too, though, is that even, even more than with a staff writer, they have to pitch every story they write to an editor. So they may or may not have an agreement with each publication about how many articles they write in a certain time frame, whether they're writing four articles a month or something like that, or if they just pitch articles as they want to. And it might be that, you know, they have one article at a certain publication and never wrote for them again or something like that. You can't assume unless, unless you see that they wrote several articles for a publication, for example, you can't assume that they write there regularly. Um, and you also just can't assume that they can automatically get a story in any publication they've already written for before, just, just because they did it once doesn't necessarily mean, or even if they do do it regularly, doesn't mean they can get every story they want to write there. They have to actually pitch these stories to the publication. They have to essentially like accept it. So there's another layer kind of there of like pitching and acceptance, um, for freelance. So, oh wait, I think there was something else I was going to say about that though. Um, for freelance, they just, yeah, they just have, I don't know about the wording, but they, they even have like less ownership, I guess, over, that's the wording I didn't want to use, sort of like less ownership over the publication. Like they don't, um, you like, you, you have to come in with a really specific pitch. Like I know, I, I feel like I've already said it, but I'm almost trying to say it in like another way, meaning like not just where you want them to pitch it, but you can't like approach, uh, somebody who's a freelance writer and say like, oh, I have this, um, story at okay here so here's an example from one of the questions that like has come up in the PR boot camp sometimes it makes sense oh and I totally forgot that I wanted to touch on this too sometimes it makes sense to pitch like a contributed article like you might see that it looks like people have written articles for this publication like other business owners wrote an article about their expertise right which is a contributed article, like something that you could write and have like, and it says your name on it, you're that you have the byline on the article. So you're kind of pitching a submitted piece that you will write and then have published with your name on it, as opposed to pitching an article that a writer will write based on your information. You would never pitch a freelance writer, a contributed piece. And that might sound obvious to some of you, but I know it's something that some people had questions on or just like, that's one reason why you want to really make sure like what this person's role is. And we'll actually kind of get to that more because that's the editor. You would need to pitch that to the editor. You would never be pitching a, fr- a, a freelance writer or a, st- or a staff writer, really a contributed piece because both of those people are getting paid by the publication to write their own articles. And both of those, like, as I said, this is what made me think of it. Like the freelance writer is pitching their own articles to the publication. And even as I kind of alluded to, like even the staff writer, even though they work there and that's their, you know, salary job or whatever, they still do sort of, as I said, kind of pitch the ideas to the editor to make sure like that, that makes sense in that, you know, in that issue or in that month that these topics make sense and are like approved by the editor. So they're both kind of pitching their own ideas. They're both only getting paid by the publication for the articles they write. So they're not going to be the person that you want to pitch. You might be like, oh, they wrote these, um, articles. Like I want to see if they would be interested in publishing like my thoughts on something similar. No, they will not. Um, but again, I'm, that's, I'm going to, we'll get to that more later, but I just wanted to mention that now. Cause I know that was kind of made me think of it in, in that they have to be pitching the publications themselves. 
Okay, let's take a quick break. I wanted to take a minute to share a tip for other business owners. Gusto is a refreshingly easy payroll benefits and HR platform used by more than 200,000 businesses and 7,000 accounting firms nationwide. I've been using Gusto for my PR agency for the last couple of years and it makes keeping track of everything so simple. They do everything for you. You just have to plug in the numbers every you know pay period and you're good to go. I actually think you can even have that be automated depending on how you have things set up. So if you're looking for a simple solution for your business's payroll and benefits, check out Gusto. Okay, so, um, I still had more to say about the freelancer. Um, so they, um, oh, I was going to say, so, you know, they're pitching the articles to the publication. Um, and the one thing to keep in mind too, is that they might be, in fact, they're usually probably pitching less often than like a staff writer would be. Like they might not have a regular weekly meeting with the editor of the publication and the, or, you know, and the other, they're not going to be like on the regular team meeting necessarily. They might be in touch with an editor once a month, you know, or even less. I mean, it could be more. They might be in touch with an editor every day, but for the most part, like you can't assume that they're going to be in touch with an editor more than like once a month or so. There's just a lot more moving pieces in this relationship and every publication is a little different. And if they are that, you know, they could be pitching an editor whenever they want to, or they might have kind of like a set relationship where it's like once a month they come with ideas. Um, but you know, just like I said with the staff writer, like you have to imagine they might not be pitching their ideas for a week. Same thing with the freelancer. Um, but I do find that since they're kind of in charge of pitching what they want, because they ha kind of have to be on it themselves to like pitch what they want to different publications, they're often going to get back to you a little bit faster. Like if they're interested in pitching it to a publication, um, then they might like reply to let you know that even before that that part of the process has happened. So, you know, you could get kind of excited about <laughs> an idea because you pitch something and they show interest and they are interested in it. But again, then it might be like two weeks before they actually pitch the publication and the publication might say no. So that can be some false hope, but also it can be a good thing to have them on your side. Um, but yeah, again, keeping in mind that they are pitching someone else the story. They're pitching the editor of the publication the story. So even if they love it, it's not a guarantee. Um, and they may or may not have a guaranteed number of pieces each month at that publication. Like, as I said, they might write once a month. They might just pitch something whenever they have a great idea. And there's no guarantee of a certain amount of pieces a month. So the one thing that you're kind of taking on by pup by by pitching a freelance writer again unless you can tell like there are definitely freelance writers where you can tell they write you know several pieces a month for this publication um but there's definitely a chance that if you pitch this freelance writer and they love the idea it's just a much longer timeline like it could be that they don't have to space for it until you know they can pitch their editor for like next month and then you know it still might be a month after that that the piece can be ready to go so it could be a much longer timeline because they're probably writing less pieces than like a staff writer is for each publication each time um and um again you're kind of like pitching them as the middleman so you have to make sure they really understand and, and fall in love with the story idea themselves 
But it can be a great relationship to have because once you have a relationship with a freelance writer, you know, they might have multiple opportunities to share your story in other outlets. So maybe, you know, they're interested in this story this month and then you could pitch them again like next month with some similar but slightly different ideas for some of their other outlets. And if they love you enough, they might want to, you know, if they love what you're doing and, and really like the story, they might be cool with wanting to pitch it to other publications too. So you could get several pieces of coverage or several articles from one writer relationship, which is awesome. Um, okay. So I think that's mostly what I wanted to say about freelance writers. Um, yeah, I want to, so then the editor, (laughs) I want to jump into editors. Sometimes, um, sometimes there are instances where you'll be pitching directly to an editor the editor in general at most publications is not actually writing that many pieces at some, especially the smaller ones, as I mentioned, kind of at the very beginning of this conversation, like there are some at smaller publications, mostly where they might be the only writer or, you know, at a slightly larger publication, they might write a couple of pieces here and there, and you might see their name on some articles. Um, But for the most part, the editor is overseeing everything. So what this means is they're also assigning stories to the other writers. So you can sometimes go directly to an editor if you're if you're sure it's a perfect story, but you really can't find the right writer for it or something like that. But you can tell that it would be great for the outlet. You can pitch the editor um, and ask if they have, you know, say something like, you know, I thought you'd be really interested in this story. I want to see if you have any writers who you think would be good for it or something like that. Or if you can tell that they do write pieces themselves as well, you can just pitch them. Most of the time, I would say, oh my God, it's so hard to do generalizations because every publication is so different. But often what you'll see is that the pieces with the editor's name on it are things that are more like a roundup or sometimes like a series or something that like they had to compile in some way because an editor will often do those kinds of compilation pieces like things like a gift guide or roundup kind of thing um things like that that are sort of like pulling together the best of this or that or something like that those are often put put together by an editor even if they're not really still writing like more like longer form articles um when it's more like compiling either something from other articles or um as I said like a series maybe that's all done kind of in the same way or um I don't know examples specifically but things like that I don't know if that is like clear enough to make sense um but those like you might be like oh they you know, have their name on all these articles, but they might not be like the kind of in-depth like story that you're looking for. It might be like, as I said, like kind of like more like roundup type pieces. And if you're looking for a roundup piece, like, you know, maybe that's perfect. Like if you have a product maybe, which does make sense for a roundup piece or something like that, that might be your best bet. That might be who you want to pitch. Um, but you know, that may be more like, for if you have a product where it's like a piece like, oh, the best kind of this whatever product for summer or something like that, the editor might have pulled those together. Does that make sense? Whereas it's not like 
an actual feature on your actual product or on your business, but more like listing a couple of the best of this or that kind of thing. Um, okay. I hope that made a little bit of sense, but if it, if it's a really small publication and it seems like they don't have any staff writers, or if they have a really small team, um, you know, maybe only a couple of writers, then sometimes the editor may be good. So again, you have to kind of be able to gauge that they might be putting, they might actually be writing a lot of the content in that case. And honestly, if it's something that small too, they might be the only contact person listed anywhere. And in that case, you know, that can be a great jumping off point. That means they're probably really are handling most of the day to day, might be handling all the writing that also, you know, see if the, if it's the kind of publication that does accept contributed content, that also makes sense to reach out to the editor in that, in that case, because they are the one who's compiling everything for the whole publication. So they're assigning stuff to staff writers deciding if they're going to use contributed content, they are the one you would be pitching for, oh, can I submit an article on this topic? Again, you have to make sure that they do that. A lot of publications don't do contributed content at all. So you have to make sure you've seen that and it's really a thing before you pitch that or you might look kind of silly. Um, but if you can tell that they do do, pu- do publish contributed content and they take, you know, stories written by other people, like a business owner writing about your business expertise or something like that, then that would be who you're, who you're pitching that to. Um, but yeah, for the most part, if you can see names and information of other staff writers who are writing about your topic, I would in almost every case start there with those writers first. But again, if it's a small enough publication where it seems like the, the, the caveat there is if it's this, a small enough publication where it seems like everyone who's a real staff person has an editor title. Like sometimes there are publications where there's like the food editor and the beauty editor and the, I don't know, city editor, and there's really no other people working there or writing there. Then that absolutely makes sense. That's the person you would want to pitch. They're writing, if they're writing all that content. But in that case, what you don't want to then pitch is like the managing editor or, you know, there might be some different titles for that, but something, the, the person who seems higher up than that, like the managing editor, the executive editor, anything like that, that's who you like really don't want to pitch. That's the person who's overseeing everything and pulling the whole publication together. Um, and, but if it's like a section editor, then that's a little bit different. That person actually might be the absolute right person. They might be writing a lot of their own content. They might be assigning some stuff to other staff writers if there are some staff writers below them. Um, but really having a lot, you know, more of a hand in the actual content. So that might be the person, especially if you do see that their name is, is on the byline of a lot of articles, they might be perfect. So don't like, don't be like, oh, I see the name, the, the title editor. So I'm not going to ever pitch them. There are these instances, like, as I said, if it's like the food editor of a local, you know, your local magazine, they probably are the person to pitch your food story to. But if it's like the managing editor or something higher than that, then that's maybe, maybe you don't want to. So, and as I said, there's so many nuances. Um, and it's just so depends on the size of the outlet and the type of the outlet. And every outlet has different ways of naming their staff people and like the different hierarchies there. So you really do have to do the research. And that's why, you know, I can tell you these general rules, um, but you really have to do the research and see what it looks like in that instance for the certain publication you're looking at. Um, but the good news is that if you do get an in with someone like a staff writer, 
there's almost no instance where they're going to be like, why are you pitching me this? Like you should have pitched the editor, you know, and that's just not really going to happen. They're going to be used to getting pitches. Um, but also the editor is going to be used to getting pitches too. Like the editor is also not going to be like, why did you pitch me? Because I mean, I'm telling you this is how to do it, but there are so many people who are going to be pitching that editor anyways. They're going to be like, I have to always pitch the editor. I want the top, you know, the top dog. I'm going to pitch straight to the editor. People who don't really know any better are going to always be doing that. So the editor is always going to be getting pitches. So they're not going to necessarily be like, oh, what is she even thinking? Um, but I'm just telling you, like in most instances, they're probably just not even going to see your email in that case. Like they're just busy with other stuff. They're probably just not even going to have a chance to notice the pitch. So you're not going to look stupid if you necessarily look stupid if you pitch straight to the editor, but they, you just don't have much. I I think if you want to cut through the noise, you're just better off (laughs) with a writer if you can get that in. So if you can find, you know, a staff writer or even a freelance writer, you want to be hitting the person who is most likely to actually see your pitch and respond to your pitch and be the person who's going to write the story because you don't want it to have to go through many steps of the editor being like oh yeah this looks pretty good let me see if somebody can write it you know if you can get that staff person on your side because you went directly to them and they're really into the story and all they have to do is say hey I want to write this that's best um, but again, you're not going to look like, look ridiculous if you pitch either one. So I don't want to like too like scare you or anything like that. <laughs> but anyway, a couple, so those are the main three things, the main three, like kind of like different types of rules to keep in mind, the editor, the freelance writer, and the staff writer. Sorry, I just said that in a different order than I talked about them in. I hope that's not going to confuse you. <laughs> the staff writer, the freelance writer, and the editor. The staff writer is someone you want to pitch your direct story to. The freelance writer, you pitch the story and the publication, basically. Like, you tell them what publication you want to be in. The editor is really mostly if you want to pitch a contributed piece. A um, couple other nuances to keep in mind, and this could probably be a whole nother episode on its own, but you want to keep in mind, not just the topic they write about, but also the types of stories they do. And again, this is kind of like the next layer here, but if there are several people at an outlet who all kind of talk about the same main topic, this is really where research comes in handy and is important. So for example, to use your example of a beauty writer again, because that is like a really obvious one for this example. There could be several people at a certain magazine or publication who write about beauty, right? At first glance, you see there's like maybe three or four or five of them. But when you look closer, one might write more about the business of beauty and one might write more about new product announcements and one might do the roundups like these are the products to buy today you know when you look closely you'll notice that the person who writes the new product announcements only writes about new products usually and the person who does roundups of things that you can buy only does roundups of things you can buy that person's often even called like the e-commerce editor, e-commerce beauty writer or something like that, you will never want to pitch the e-commerce person, your story. If you want an article about your brand, you know, about the story about your business or, you know, how you started the business or just really any kind of in-depth feature about your business, they only do e-commerce roundups and like, you know, shopping kind of posts. And it's based around selling products. And usually, to be honest, products that have some kind of link that the publication will get a kickback on like an affiliate program and things like that. 
So they're really not going to just like do a piece all about your brand. It's just, that's not what their job is. So same thing with the person who does new product announcements. They probably only do that. And she's really not going to be interested in your story unless you're launching a new product. Um, she might not even be able to write other stories, you know, like that is her job. That is what she's here for. So you're only wasting your time and theirs. If you try to pitch one of them, like a larger story, like a trend story, or like, here's, you know, here's what's going on in the industry, or here's what's going on with my brand or something like that. If it's not the kind of thing they ever write about, just because they're a beauty writer does not mean they write everything about beauty. So those kinds of nuances, that kind of research is what you need to look at in terms of what types of pieces a writer puts together more than just what is the beat, what is the topic. Um, and so that's, that's the kind of thing that I feel like, you know, we could do a whole nother episode on, but I wanted to at least mention it here. So I'm not saying just look for a staff writer who has beauty in the title or who, you know, who does the beauty pieces. You have to keep these things in mind too, when it comes to finding the right person to pitch. And you might have to really yeah, just do a lot of research, see the last several pieces they've done to get a sense of what kind of pieces they're really doing. And the last, I think, last other kind of nuance that I want to point out, and this might seem more obvious to some people than the previous one, but it still trips people up a lot. Again, this could be a whole nother episode, but I'm going to try to try to give you a brief kind of overview of this idea. So keep your eye out for sponsored content. A lot of times people are like, oh, I want to pitch this person. I saw they did a story on something like this brand. It was like a really in-depth, cool, like story about this brand that's really similar to mine. So I think they'd be into my pitch too. But that story was sponsored content otherwise known as like an advertorial, which is when basically they make an article, like make something look like an article, but really it's advertising because it's paid for. They paid for it to be placed there and it looks a lot like an article, but it is an advertisement because anytime you pay for something in a publication, that's advertising. Um, and they are required to say when that's the case, but it's not always super obvious. Like there might be little italic letters at the very bottom of the article that says like, this article was published, you know, in collaboration with, you know, the name of the brand or something like that. And you don't necessarily look down that far, right? To even see that part of it, you might not notice, or, you know, it might just say sponsored content and little letters at the top or something like that. And you like, it's easy to miss sort of, um, there's all different kinds of ways they can do this, but if an article is sponsored content, you cannot assume that that person would also be interested in writing about your brand, even if it seems similar. And in fact, this person, well, a few things, if it's too similar, they might not even be able to write about it. Cause like if someone just paid, if a brand just paid to get an article, um, that's very similar to you, like they might really not want I don't know. There, I don't know if actually if that's a thing, but um, I imagine that the publication might not want to do another article that's too similar for someone who hasn't paid for it. There could even be rules around it that, like, if they are paying for this advertorial this month, like they maybe aren't like you know expect uh, supposed to write another article about a very similar brand um, for the rest of the month or something like that. Um, I could be totally making that up, but like, I, you know, I feel like there are some kind of nuances like that in those agreements. I've never actually, 
I've never paid or, you know, worked with a client who did anything like that. So I don't know that for a fact, but I feel like when there's advertising things like that, some in general, sometimes there are kind of rules like that too. Like they don't want to have an advertisement, like facing a page about, you know, a competing brand. Anyway, um, what I was going to say is <laughs> that the person who writes that might not be writing about other similar brands. There might be, they might be a person who writes only sponsored content. Not always the case, but some publications do have like a partnerships writer or something like that, whose job is to do the advertising pieces. And they're not even on the ed actual editorial team. So you want to be really careful about that, especially if you don't want to pitch the advertising person who's then going to be like, yeah, and it's $3,000. And then you're on their list as like a potential advertiser. But anyway, even, even if that's not the case, it also doesn't mean that they're going to be interested in, in this type of content in general. They might have just been, as I said, kind of like assigned that article, that advertorial because it was paid for. And so it might have been kind of assigned even though it was outside of their beat a little bit. So just really keep that in mind um, that it doesn't necessarily mean they're interested in this type of content. That content is there because it was paid for. So that just kind of skews, you know, skews everything that you might be researching. So be really aware of that and keep an eye on it. That might not be what that writer normally writes about. Just keep it in mind. Just be smart about it. Try to, you know, sleuth around as much as you can. Do your research. Um, and yeah, I mean, I mean, I do want to say like, if you have... I don't know. I feel like this is especially the case with like product based businesses. Um, I feel like that trips people up more and this could just be kind of my recent experiences, but I feel like people with product based businesses are tripped up by this even more. I think, I think maybe just because there are more of these advertorials, probably just because product based businesses do more paid advertising in general. Um, but I feel like people see these articles more with like a product based business and they're like, Oh, they're, they did this cool piece on like these products, you know? Um, so just keep it in mind, especially if you have a product based business, but I don't want to confuse you too much, but, um, I, and I think like, you know, there's nothing wrong with this. Like there's nothing inherently wrong with advertorial or, you know, doing those kinds of pieces. Um, I just want you to keep this in mind though, because I don't want you to like think you're pitching a real article and you're not, you know, and you're pitching the wrong person. Um, and I think that too, like, I just, I never recommend you spend money on an article because then it's an advertisement and I'm all about teaching you how to get earned media, which means not paid for. So, I will never tell you to do an advertisement. Again, if, if that's the kind of thing you want to do, like I'm not saying that's bad, but honestly, like I don't see why you would do that when you, like why you would pay for something to look like a real article when you could just pitch a real article and then have an earned real article because, and again, this is a whole nother, whole nother episode in itself, but I think that, you know, even though it can be sort of seem sort of confusing when you're when you're looking starting this research and starting your pitching, in most cases, viewers and readers of content are very savvy and they know the difference between an advertising piece and real earned media. And advertising is just not as strong these days. People know not to trust advertising because they know it's paid for and it can say whatever it wants, and people know not to trust brands like that. So that's, you know, that's exactly why they've started to now make advertising that looks like a real article. But 
again, people can tell that you've paid for it because it says it's sponsored. So then it doesn't have the strength of a real article because it's not like, oh, this, you know, this magazine I trust actually thought that they were cool enough to write an actual article. Like it's just an advertisement. So it's like people, they're trying to pull one over on people, but people are savvy enough to know, I think. So I just don't recommend you doing it because, um, you know, unless you have a major advertising budget and that's really part of your strategy, but I just don't see the point because, like, I know you can pitch a real story and get the real story. So <laughs> why would you want to pay for it? I just don't get the point. Like, I feel like if you're going to pay for an advertising, pay for an ad. And if you want something that looks like an article, pitch a real article and, and it's free. So, and it's better because people understand, like, it has so much more clout when it's like earned media. So I just, I just don't really know why you wouldn't want to do that. So if that's sort of a tangent. I apologize but I also think it's important for people to understand the difference and understand like, yeah, what that's all about. Again, no hard feelings if you do want to pay for an advertorial, but I don't want you to pitch something thinking that it's, you know, that you're pitching as somebody who's going to write a real article. So anyway, these are the main things to keep in mind. I think that is all I wanted to say about that. Again, this is like, this could be so much more and this already ended up being way longer than I meant to. I do think I might do a part two with some more of those kind of like second level nuances of like, okay, so I know I want the staff writer at this, like a staff writer at this publication. How do I pick this person over this person kind of thing? There is still more we can go into, but I think this is a pretty good overview of those different roles and when you might want to pitch different, um, these different people. We obviously didn't go into how to decide what publications to pitch or how to actually pitch the person or anything like that, but I've talked, you can take a look. I've talked about both of these things, um, in other episodes, I'm pretty sure, or we'll do so soon. I definitely talk a lot about pitching and have a lot of information about pitching. So you can find that somewhere else. Um, so yeah, we cannot go into everything for this episode, but there is other information on it if you're interested. And I hope this helps you kind of take it one level deeper. So I hope having the sense of these different kinds of writers are all about, um, and when to pitch who in different instances is helpful and gives you some kind of direction in knowing who to be looking for when you're trying to pitch a certain story at a certain outlet and what the different roles are at the different publications, just so you have a sense of how that all works. And if you have any other specific questions about any of this, definitely let me know. I can't wait to see the press you secure for your brand. Um, I want to hear about it. So let me know. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this show, please subscribe to Quotable, a female millennial entrepreneur podcast, wherever you listen, so you won't miss the next episode. And leave a review on iTunes so other people will be able to find us easily. Also, don't be shy to get in touch with me or anyone you've heard on the show. We're all about connecting, and our Instagram handles and contact links are always in the show notes or online at quotablemediaco.com slash podcast. If you want to join the community of other female millennial entrepreneurs, join our Facebook group by searching Female Millennial Entrepreneurs on Facebook. Talk to you soon and see you there.